0: This podcast is based on Peter Navarro's best-selling new book, Taking Back Trump's America, available on Amazon today. With the Biden regime failing in virtually every dimension and the radical Pelosiites fanning the flames of inflation with every new pork barrel bill, we urgently need to take back this country. Taking Back Trump's America is the blueprint and battle cry for taking back the House of Representatives in 2022 and the White House in 2024 under the red, white, and blue banner of Trumpism. So please, buy your copy of Taking Back Trump's America today on Amazon. Action, action, action.
1: Hi, I'm Peter Navarro, and welcome back to this edition of the Taking Back Trump's America podcast. In this edition, I interview the great Miranda Devine from the New York Post regarding the startling revelation by Mark Zuckerberg that the FBI pressured both Facebook and Twitter to suppress information about the Hunter Biden laptop from hell just prior to the election. As you probably know at this point, that issue could have well turned the election and as Miranda Devine describes it, this was nothing other than interference by the FBI in the 2020 election. You can't make that up. Listen away.
2: Handle things when they're a, a big news item that's controversial. Like there was a lot of attention on Twitter during the election, because of the Hunter Biden laptop story, the New York Post. Yeah, we had that too. Yeah, so you guys censored that as well. So we took a different path than Twitter. Um, I mean, basically, the background here is the FBI. I think basically came to us. Uh, some some folks on our team. It was like, hey, um, just so you know, like you should be on high alert. There was the we we thought that there was a lot of Russian propaganda in the 2016 election. We have it on notice that basically there's about to be some kind of dump of of um, uh, uh, that's similar to that. So just be vigilant. So our protocol is different from Twitter's. What Twitter did is they said you can't share this at all. Um, we didn't do that. What, what we do is we have um, if something is reported to us as potentially um misinformation important misinformation we we also have this third-party fact-checking program because we don't want to be deciding what's true and false and for the i think it was five or seven days when it was basically being um being determined whether it was false um the distribution on facebook was decreased but people were still allowed to share it so you could still share it you could still consume it So we say the distribution has decreased. It it got shared. How does that work? It basically the ranking in newsfeed was a little bit less, so fewer people saw it than would have otherwise. So it definitely by what percentage? I I don't know off the top of my head, but it's 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 meaningful. But I mean, but basically, a um, a lot of people were still able to share it. We got a lot of complaints that that was the case. Um, You know, obviously this is a hyper-political issues, so depending on what side of the political spectrum, you either think we didn't censor it enough or censored it way too much, but right. but we weren't sort of as black and white about it as, as Twitter. We just kind of thought, hey, look, if, if the FBI, which you know, I still view as a legitimate institution in this country, it's a like very professional law enforcement, they come to us and tell us that we need to be on guard about something, then I want to take that seriously. Did they specifically say you need to be on guard about that story? I, I no. I, I don't remember if it was that specifically, but it was it basically fit the pattern.
1: Ah, uh, the FBI, the FBI, the FBI. Let's bring in Miranda Devine forthwith without any uh, further ado. Um, hey, Miranda, look, you have written the definitive book on this issue. It's called The Laptop from Hell, and I urge everybody to buy that book the question though i want to know first of all is like how early did you get involved in this story was it before the election took place can you give us an idea i know that the new york post lost its twitter account i think over this um and what what was your what was your experience can you just give us a chronology of your involvement and your take on what you think was going on with the social media
3: You mean involvement with Rudy Giuliani initially in getting the laptop or are you just talking about the moment that we published on October 14, 2020? The moment
1: moment that you published um, in the post and then what happened in kind of the social media and does Zuckerberg's interview with Rogan give you a different perspective on what
3: actually happened? No, Zuckerberg's lying. Um, the morning that we published, we kept the story until we normally publish the night before, you know, 10 ten p.m. or so. Uh, we kept this story until I think we published 5 a.m. And uh, at 11.10 a.m., Andy Stone, who was Facebook's communication manager, came out with a tweet on Twitter saying uh, that we have decided to suppress. Um, let me get the exact wording. He said, while I will intentionally not link to the New York Post, I want to be clear that this story is eligible to be fact checked by Facebook's third party fact checking partners. In the meantime, we are reducing its distribution on our platform. Effectively, they censored it. Now, Zuckerberg saying to Joe Rogan, Oh, do, you know. Do you remember Hollywood what, day that, what yeah, day that was? What day was that the 14th, 14th of October, 2020.
1: Okay, so this was this was like the critical time. time in the election. This was a pivotal time. We now know that if, if if that if people had had been informed fully about the laptop from hell, Trump would be in office. Okay, so continue. Go ahead. So you, you yeah, think Zuckerberg I mean, lied? How did he lie? Is he saying that? Are you saying that Facebook did it on its own,
3: or or that and the FBI had the nothing first. to do? Facebook was the first, Twitter followed Facebook. It was Facebook Uh and, uh, you know, Zuckerberg saying, oh, well we didn't, we weren't quite as harsh as Twitter um, because Twitter locked our account for two weeks and only reopened the New York Post account a few days before the election. Um, but, uh, But Facebook was suppressing the story just as badly. I've had uh, so many communications in the last 24 hours from people who said they couldn't even share it with themselves to read on another device. Um, so, you know, there's there's no uh, distinction between the two and Facebook was number one. And Andy Stone, the Facebook communication manager who sounded the alarm, who set, set everybody in train to, to censor this story, uh, he he is a former, he worked for a Democratic super PAC. He worked for Barbara Boxer. He worked for the John Kerry uh, for President campaign. He's a Democratic operative, uh, as there are so many of them in Facebook. And so um, he was he was doing, uh, he was sending a signal by going onto Twitter, to everybody, to Twitter, to the New York Times, to the Washington Post, do not touch this story. This story is dirty. And then the other intriguing part of Zuckerberg's um, very oily conversation with Joe Rogan was when he's asked, um, was the FBI warning that you received before the election about Russian disinformation, was it specifically to do with this story, like before our story came out? And he said, Oh, I can't remember. Now, this is not something you would forget. (laughs) So that's just a dead giveaway that he's not telling the truth. And that is very interesting because what his conversation with Rogan tells us is, again, the FBI, it's another point of light for the FBI, putting their thumb on the scale. And they did it uh, from there's an anti-Trump cabal uh, within the FBI Uh, in the Washington field office, which has uh, been working against Donald Trump since before he was elected in 2016, continued on through the Russia collusion hoax and the Mueller investigation, um, trying to leave some sort of a cloud over the president, crippled his presidency. And then uh, you can follow that trail right up into the 2020 election when in August of 2020, when Ron Johnson and Chuck Grasley were doing really manful work on the um, Biden corruption influence peddling scheme that was being ignored and introduced. Um, they uh, were ambushed uh, with Ron Johnson was ambushed with this FBI so-called defensive briefing to warn them about Russian disinformation. and Ron Johnson, a few minutes into this conversation, could smell a rat. He said to the agents who were there. Um, This is absolute BS. This is completely irrelevant to our investigation or any of the witnesses we're subpoenaing. Um, So if I see this in the media, I will know what the game is. And um, this FBI defensive debriefing um, came straight hot on the heels of Nancy Pelosi, Adam Schiff, Chuck Schumer, kicking up a stink about the johnson grassley investigation because they knew that they were getting very close to the heart of that corruption that the Bidens had been doing around the world during Joe Biden's vice presidency and beyond. And, um, and so the FBI then uh, gave the debriefing and sure enough, the next minute you've got the New York Times, Washington Post running leaks about how Johnson and Grasley are peddling Russian disinformation and the FBI had to warn them about it. And then you fast forward from August to October of 2020, and that's when we now know, thanks to the FBI whistleblowers that have come forward to Chuck Grasley, that uh, there were two FBI operatives. There was um, agent uh, Timothy Thibault and there was analyst, FBI analyst Brian Orton, uh, both in Washington. And uh, they were suppressing, the, um, according to the whistleblowers, any investigation into the Hunter Biden laptop, which the FBI had had in its possession since December 2019, almost a year. So uh, that was the the next time that they put their thumb on the scale. So, you know, pardon us for being sceptical when we're supposed to trust the FBI now that they've raided Mar-a-Lago, you know, Unprecedented uh, invasion of a former president's home uh, when they won't release the affidavit. Uh, I'm sure when we see it, it'll be completely redacted to 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 insignificant. And uh, they refuse to tell us what information they're looking for. So again, what do we see? Leaks from uh, the department. Let's stay just a minute
1: with with this whole um, social media stuff. So so. Is it? Are you saying that Twitter and Facebook would have suppressed a laptop from hell anyway or did it on their own volition? Um, or are you saying that the FBI went to them and was part of kind of the conspiracy? I mean, what's what's the timeline on that? Do we, Zuckerberg says the FBI came to them before they did the suppression. Do you believe well, that? Is it relevant? I mean, what's, I, what's Zuckerberg's game, no, I and why did he I, wait to 2022? Why,
3: why would Why would Zuckerberg lie about the FBI coming to him? Because that is a get-out-of-jail-free card for him, you see. And if yeah. he lied about it, um, it, it, the FBI would make it known. So, um, And we know that the FBI was going around briefing people before the election of you know, defensive briefings about Russian disinformation yeah. I just told you about with Bradley and Johnson. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. I I, um, I think what um, happened is that uh, John Paul Mac Isaac just go wind back to December 2019. He's had the laptop now for since April, um, and he's disturbed about the content he's seen on it. Um, it is legal. Uh, possession, because Hunter hasn't picked it up. And um, he's worried about it. So he does the right thing. He contacts the FBI, and he tells them that there's information on there that is disturbing and potentially criminal in nature. And he thinks also that it could be exculpatory for Donald Trump in what was going on right at that minute was um, the impeachment over Ukraine. And John Paul Mac Isaac knew that there was a lot of material about Biden corruption with regard to Ukraine. And so, um, so the FBI has this information. John Paul MacIsaac says that when the, one of the agents was leaving his shop with the laptop and the hard drive, he turned around and made a comment that John Paul MacIsaac thought was sinister, thought might have been a threat. And um, basically saying, you know, people that keep their mouths shut don't get into trouble. And then we know that the laptop just sat there and and nothing was happening with it. Um, But uh, we also know that the FBI was monitoring. They had um, a secret warrant into Rudy Giuliani's cloud. And so whether or not they uh, caught on to the fact that John Paul MacIsaac had contacted Rudy Giuliani and given this very eloquent email about the information he had that Bob Costello, Giuliani's lawyer, intercepted? uh, We don't know. But at some time after that, the FBI went into overdrive with their Russia disinformation warnings. Now, what really we want to know is, were they warning that it was going to be something to do with Joe Biden, Hunter Biden, uh, a laptop, a big dump? I mean, that's what Zuckerberg says, a big dump. And he tries to backtrack after that. Yeah, he was intentionally,
1: he was intentionally obtuse about what exactly he was being asked to suppress. I noted that Miranda, uh, can you hang on for the next segment here? Sure. We got lots to do here. So, uh, Peter K. Navarro in for Saving K. Bannon. You are in the War Room, the number one podcast in politics in the world. Uh, We'll be right back uh, with breaking news here on the laptop from hell. Uh, apparently, uh Zuckerberg lied to Joe Rogan. Um, Why am I not surprised? Navarro, InfraBannon, back in a moment. Because we're down the CCP. Spread the word all through Hong Kong. We will fight till they're all gone. We
3: rejoice when there's no more. Let's take down the CCP. Have-
0: this Taking Back Trump's America podcast is brought to you by Steve Bannon's War Room. Listen to Bannon's War Room live daily from 10 a.m. to noon and 5 to 6 p.m. Eastern Time on Rumble, or subscribe to Bannon's War Room on Apple Podcasts. Bannon's War Room. All signal, no noise.
1: We've been talking with uh, Miranda Devine of the New York Post, Uh, and uh, here's the chilling picture uh, that Miranda Devine has presented to us. And she's got street cred on this because she wrote the definitive book on the laptop from hell. In fact, it's called The Laptop from Hell. Get it today on Amazon. Um, What she described in the last segment should chill the hearts and souls of every American. She described an FBI which seemingly on a sustained basis has coordinated its attempts to take out Donald Trump, that's as as gently as I can put it, with both the mainstream media, the New York Times, the Washington Post, um, on the one hand, and then the the social media, Zuckerberg at Facebook, the, the Twitter folks, in ways designed to spread misinformation, suppress information, and thereby swing the election in favor of Joe Biden, which, I mean, if you think about the definition of insurrection, those guys are armed at the FBI. And that what they did was they engineered an insurrection. They got rid of Donald Trump. So I got a couple of questions for you, Miranda. It, it, is it your view, as I've said it, that that the FBI works closely with the media and social media on its disinformation campaigns. And secondly, and more importantly, is this a rogue operation within the FBI by an identifiable small group of agents, or is this just endemic to the culture at the FBI? Miranda. Uh,
3: Look, I would hope that it's the former, uh, but it it looks like it's, throughout the FBI, I mean, you just look at the Gretchen Whitmer uh, entrapment case and in Michigan, and you see how the, um, the guy who was the lead agent on that disastrous case was then promoted to the Washington field office to take charge of the January 6th investigation, which is the largest investigation in FBI history. That's absurd. I mean, this was Um, You know, it was terrible what happened on January 6th, the violence was appalling. Uh, But it was a riot that went on for a few hours. And America had just lived through uh, months of rioting in the summer of 2020, leading up to the 2020 election as a deliberate political ploy to sow chaos and make Donald Trump look bad. So um, I I have grave fears. And I mean, people I know, ex-FBI agents, uh, confirmed that there is a problem throughout the FBI. Obviously, there are lots of very good FBI agents who are still there and keeping their heads down. But you know, there's talk that um, a lot of the conservative agents were basically fired or shuffled out or demoted, and uh, and a whole lot of young crew of radicals was hired. And uh, maybe Have that's you, uh,
1: as the New York Post. You mentioned uh, in the earlier segment uh, names. You you actually named names. Has the New York Post done anything to compile kind of a matrix of FBI agents with their names who participated, for example, in the raid in Mar-a-Lago or putting me in leg irons or going to Facebook and Twitter or leading the raid on Roger Stone or being part of the Russia hoax? I mean, it seems to me that if if we were able to look at that matrix, and see who the agents are. It's either a small, powerful group, or it's much larger. So I would ask you, has there been any effort at journalism uh, to do that, Miranda?
3: Yeah, not graphically. We've written um, plenty of stories, but you're right. It really needs to be a kind of a heat map and uh, the matrix of connections between these people. And it is possible to do that. I mean, uh, Chuck Grasley and Ron Johnson um, and James Comer have been Um, putting out letters and in dribs and drabs, you're getting a few names here, a few names there. Uh, We had um, names of uh, a couple of the FBI agents who were involved in the Mar-a-Lago raid uh, came out in some of the documents that were released. Um, And so, you know, it it, it should be possible. I I, I might do it. Um, Just piece together um, who's who. I have a list of who's who so far. I haven't got a lot of names yet, Um, but uh, it's certainly... um, there, is, there, is, there seems to be a cabal, a group, and they seem to be centered in the Washington field office. Uh, and they've become politicized. At the very least, you say they are politicized. Let, let, let's lost. do
1: journalism. <laughs> let's do a little journalism on the fly here too, because what I've learned is that there's at least one or more people who were at the FBI who have migrated over to the Department of Justice and are now working on investigations related to Mar a Lago or me or or Jan whatever as as part of yeah, you know, it's kinda of like how how does that happen? Like like how how can that be that, that the FBI now now has people over at the DOJ? Have you have you tracked any of that at all? Do you know have you
3: seen any of that? No, I haven't. But I, I do know that, uh, you know, Obama people, Lisa Monaco and uh, I can't remember the name of her deputy, um, they were involved uh, in in the, you know, Russia collusion era uh, at yes. the tail end of the Obama administration. And um, so I, Lisa I Monaco was at
1: that. the FBI and now she's at DOJ, right?
3: Yeah. And and her deputy, um, again, same thing. And he had to resign. Um, from the DOJ uh, over the uh, initial warrant into Carter Page. I mean, it, sorry. When I say he had to resign, he just voluntarily resigned himself, um, as as that was becoming a bit of a hot potato. Uh, and now he's back as Lisa Monica's deputy, Monaco's deputy. Can't remember his name. Um, hey, but uh, and where do you yeah, place there,
1: Chris I, Ray in all of this? Chris Ray is like the head of the thing.
3: Is he like the useful idiot for this cabal, yeah. or is he? I think he's just he's just weak. Uh, you know, he's a pretty boy. Um, he doesn't, he hasn't, I think he really has no idea what <laughs> a blind eye to what's going on yeah. below him. Yeah. And look, the FBI is a very difficult monster to tame because, you know, it, it has dozens of field officers all over the country. And uh, Chris Ray boasts about how he, he takes uh, the FBI's private jet which he uses to go on holiday in. Um, and he flies all around the country and visits these field offices and has a discussion with them, you know, very open, and everyone can tell him what they think. And then he gets back in his plane and goes back to Washington. He thinks that that's uh, enough, but it's not. Um, he, he's been told, he knows. Uh, just if you looked at the letters that Chuck Bradley and Ron Johnson have sent him, they've given him fair warning about the rock within his uh, agency but, and he just but, but doesn't
1: chris on. doesn't chris ray have to sign off on all of these things i mean wouldn't he have had to sign off on mar-a-lago putting me in leg irons oh roger stone yeah the raid on stone oh i mean oh, I, and by the way on the pretty boy thing i love that i i, I described chris ray as the only guy who has better hair than steve bannon but
3: back to you miranda <laughs> yeah um but yeah, look, and, and the thing about Chris Ray is that he, he comes before um, the, the Senate inquiries and he's glib, he bats everything away, um, he, he spends half the time defending the men and women of the FBI. It's not about that. You know, Americans are not, uh, conservatives are not anti-law enforcement, as Christopher Ray and um, Merritt Garland and the Democratic Party are trying to make out. They're pro-law enforcement and nothing's changed, um, but they're not pro-crooked law enforcement. And when you have yeah. an element, at least an element, maybe the whole culture of the FBI showing itself to be rotten and politicized, then um, of course you have to root that out. Um, rooting that out is being for law and order, not against it. I mean, that's a that's a
1: big accusation that that the FBI now, as it's presently constituted, is acting, they've weaponized their investigatory powers in a partisan way. But but you stand by that. I mean, we've seen enough evidence now. This latest thing, after Mar-a-Lago, this latest thing would seem to be the nail in that coffin, would it not? I mean, how dare yes, they?
3: Yes, and, and it, uh, what I'm saying is not an unusual view. rasmussen poll a couple of weeks ago, found that a majority of Americans, um, um, maybe not a majority, but about 50% of Americans, felt that the FBI was acting as Joe Biden's, quote, personal Gestapo, which was a quote from Roger Stone. So um, the FBI's reputation has plummeted. And it's plummeted not because, uh, you know, people at the New York Post or in, at War Room have been criticising the FBI. It's because of what the FBI has done It Done. uh you know the Gretchen yeah. Whitmer trial uh yes, go, is a perfect example of that um and and there are so many unanswered questions revolver news um has done a great job uh of looking into the pipe bomb uh mystery those pipe bombs on January 6th planted at the DNC and the RNC headquarters um we've never heard anything about them and yet yeah. the FBI has all that forensic firepower Surely they could have found something—a fingerprint, a, a fingerprint in the in the in, in whatever gunpowder is in there. Um, they've got CCTV. Brenda, um, Sadly, okay.
1: we're going to have to end our time together, but I want to give you the last 20 seconds or so. I want to recommend Laptop from Hell, everybody get that on Amazon right now, Um, read Miranda's column uh, at the New York Post, Uh, it comes out a couple of times a week, and Miranda, um, what's your uh, best way to uh, follow Miranda Devine?
3: Yeah, at Miranda Devine on Twitter, um, I'm on Getter, Truth Social, everywhere, And, uh, and also at the risk of log rolling. Look out for Peter's book coming up, which will be great, the sequel to in Trump's time, Trump time. And uh, also, just like to say that of all the people in America, I think Zuckerberg is the most responsible for Joe Biden being in office.
1: Well that's it for this edition of the Taking Back Trump's America podcast. Be sure and visit my website peternavar.com. You can find at peternavar.com. Directions as to how to buy the Taking Back Trump's America book on Amazon. Taking Back Trump's America is the blueprint and battle cry for the MAGA movement to take back not just the Trump White House in 2024, but first, we must take back the House of Representatives from the evil clutches of Nancy Pelosi. Together, let's get that done. Read Taking Back Trump's America and you can see how we can go about doing it. Thanks for listening to this podcast. Please subscribe, and if you can, give it a five-star review. We'll see you next time. Peter Navarro, out.
0: Taking Back Trump's America. That's the incendiary new book from
1: former Trump trade czar Peter Navarro, available on Amazon today. Stephen K. Bannon calls Taking Back Trump's America a brass-knuckled insider's account of the merciless 2020 fall and miraculous 2024 rise of the White House of Trump. Taking Back Trump's America is the blueprint for a new Trump White House that will truly
0: make America great once again. Order Taking Back Trump's America today on Amazon.